This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And anything is possible. As he says, coming out of the international break after we've lost the Norwich, where anything wasn't possible. Actually, anything was possible if you actually check out. Later, the winker's going to tell you, actually, that result might not have been or shouldn't have been as bad as it was at the end of the day. So I'm lucky enough to have had two weeks off, just like all you Bees fans out there. And I'm feeling a little bit better about certain things. My name's Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here in the virtual pool, not in the pub, because I've just come back from an international jaunt. I've come back from San Marino. I was there for, uh, well, <laughs> 24 hours, actually, as you do. Went away to go and see England score a lot of goals. And uh, I'm feeling a little bit better after seeing that. And I thought I'd sit in the virtual joint with my mate, Laney. Laney, how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, you, you you almost got like a goal goal an hour, didn't you? In your your 24 hours, well, you got a goal every every two hours. So yeah, ten ten in brackets. T E N. That's an incredible result. Um, that's right. That's so, right. So yeah, you had, you had a had an eventful time, didn't you? I did have an eventful time, which I may or may not talk about a little bit later. There are there are characters all over the place that we will say. And like I said to you, this is sort of a slightly new era for Besotted as well, because like I said, you've had we had a lot of supporters who've come in and helped us out through the years. You know, people be really kind in like I said to you, besotted.com forward slash beer, and they've been supporting us whichever way they can do and coming up to us and saying how much they like us. Then all of a sudden there's a couple of Brentford chums that we were chatting to in the boozer, you know, who all of a sudden they came to us and said, Tell something, we, we really like Besotted, so we, we'd like to get more involved in the podcast. So as we say, anything is possible. It's a great little advertising agency based on the South Coast. Very cool. They do a lot of very, very cool stuff. We had a look at them. We thought, tell you something, if you want to get involved, we'll quite happy to get involved with you. So I think over the next few weeks, the next few months, you might hear a few fun little bits and pieces and clips with us and 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 and, and these guys and girls from the south coast because they're the people that make anything possible and like i said to you you'll find them most saturdays at new griffin park either in the stands of the terraces and also you might have us find them having a beer with us in the globe um before match not necessarily after the match as such because i think they shoot back down the south coast but before the match you sort of catch up with them and then you probably actually know who they are actually hardcore beast fans as they say um aip.media as well you catch hold of them as well so ladies all all good though so it's quite, quite strange though, yeah. isn't it it's yeah, it's good it's good to have like-minded souls on board um you know we, we we ask people to buy us a beer and uh we're always really appreciative of the people that subscribe through uh through that and they you know they, they chuck us a couple of quid to to to, to pay for a few beers um and uh, as, as i said you know it's it's just 
good to be working with people that are creative as well and they can help us do more of this um uh i remember the first sponsor we ever had on this site was bernie watson his peak performance cars back in the day i used to go and sit, sit down with bernie and we used to put the worlds to rights seems like a million million years ago but uh now we've got a um a creative agency um and hopefully um anyone any brentford fans that have got businesses that could do with like-minded souls to to help them and we can uh, we can link you all up so yeah good this is indeed a, a AIP, aip.media is their setup as well so but you know talking about this last couple of weeks what are we doing it was quite busy actually before the international breaks started because uh, last week sometimes during the international break we decided to take a break but this time, actually, we didn't take a break and uh, pulled together a couple of podcasts as well, um, which was uh, together with the uh, with the organisation Her Game 2, who you may or may not have heard about. It's a group, group of girls that came together after basically getting, they got absolutely battered on social media, you know, for being women and at football. And some people sort of saying they didn't have any, they weren't allowed to sort of kind of enjoy the football and watch the matches. And they were just getting absolutely battered. And they got really fed up of it. They set up this wicked, wicked viral campaign, which actually just kicked off. And after that, the, the, the Her game two um, campaign has gone to another level it's only been going for six months and they've been getting affiliations with clubs they haven't got any affiliations with league clubs as yet but you know as we started we actually linked them up with sally stevens from the, the brentford you know fan and engagement department as such and they, we did a podcast together which you could check it out on pride of west.london which has gone down very very well we've hooked the girls up so fingers crossed brentford will be their first joining of a uh, uh, of, uh, joining together uh, a meeting of minds between the Premier League club and her game two they've got sort of you know um, I think division one they've got division two they've got quite a few non-league you know they're dealing with grassroots football but they haven't got a uh, they haven't got a Premier League club as yet so fingers crossed uh, like I said Brent uh, Besotted will be able to bring her game two and Brentford together because I think it's a very, very important cause, especially for me. It's not only just because I've got a daughter, but you do see things through different eyes when you get a daughter and you hear what people say and you see how they act and you hear, hear what your daughter's reaction is and you sort of think, tell you something, you know, I know that I do campaign in other areas, you know, 20s plenty and tickets and fans should do this and anti-racism. But also for me, I will campaign in any area which people, you know, are made to feel unwelcome in football. And this is one area that people can sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable. So let's just see what we can all do to try and make it feel better. Did you enjoy the podcast, Lainey? Yeah, I did. It was a real eye-opener. I mean, obviously, I, I knew some of the people that were involved in that and, you know, Bella sits, stroke stands with us. Um, and, yeah, you, you're right. It's, 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 it's good to hear things from a different perspective. And... Uh, um, well done for putting that together. I hope uh, hope a few few people learn things, and uh, you know, um, I hope I hope the club can get open dialogue, and you know, they can move forward together because it's it's something that clearly needs to be addressed. And I think you did a brilliant job in highlighting it. So well yeah. done, Bill. No, no, it's all good. Like I said, it's all uh, you know, everyone that came together, and especially the second podcast. That was the one where. You know, quite a few girls from different clubs. You know, we had Becca from from Reading. We had you know, we had Holly from from Nottingham Forest. You know, we had uh, Nevea from 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 Rotherham. You know, people from all sorts of different clubs around the country. You know, I pulled them all together to give their different stories as well. And it's interesting to hear their stories. Sam from uh, you know Preston North End, who's a brilliant brilliant talker, and she just told it straight. You know, the grief that she's got down the years. You know, some things which are like you know, I think it's made a lot of 
lot of guys have gone, cool, blimey, I never really, never realised that happened. But, you know, it's kind of really weird with football where you're expecting, you know, people just to take it because that's what happens in football. Again, I'm not trying to relate my experiences as a black person to women's experiences because it's not fair to do that at all. But I, I understand and I can relate to that where sometimes people just say, look, this is this is what's happened in the past, mate. So just get used to it. Why are you, why are you getting, what you know, why are you getting so het up about it? And it's kind of like, well, we've moved to 2021 now, 2022 and nearly in and sometimes things have got to change a little bit. So I think that if you haven't listened to it, really do give it a, a listen. Pride of West dot London. There's two episodes on there. There's some really interesting stories. And Sally Stevens, like I said to you, director of fan engagement and community, she actually gave the Brentford point of view on, on podcast number two. So just take some time out and have a little listen to that on your way up to Newcastle. I'll, I'll ask you to do that because it's a long journey up to Newcastle. So what else is going on? Tell you something. What else is going on? I have to admit, I, I really did struggle to actually kind of, you know, pull this pod together. As you can tell, there's only myself and Laney now, and we're in the virtual port joint rather than the pub. Yes, okay, I've been away for a couple of days to San Marino, which is quite knackering because it is quite, you know, quite quite a bit of a journey to get over there. But also, there's a couple, you know, a bit of news that hit us when I was out there, and it was hard to kind of pick up because when you're away, you don't get the news in the same impact as you do when you're at home. But sort of quite a close sort of friend of. I say it's besotted, you know, somebody that I've known for absolute years just um, died very, very suddenly. Um, a guy called Beckles, as we know him as, he literally lived three or four down, uh, doors down from me in Isleworth. You know, I grew up with him from when I was, well, he's about the same age as me. And uh, yeah, and he just died suddenly at, at home. It wasn't expected. And uh, somebody told me about it and I, I thought that they were joking. I, I just didn't believe them at all because I saw Beckles, I think it was after the after Norwich game. And, you know, as a chat, he always goes up to my daughter and says to, how are you? He always goes to my son, Elias, and, you know, chats to him, you know. And like I said to you, I've known Beckles. I've been up and down the country with him, driving cars back in the day when we used to, you know, have our little crew we used to sing and drink and go away games and get up to shenanigans and stuff like, you know, Beckles was, was right in there. And obviously he's gone off and he's moved to the South Coast at one stage and, you do your own thing so of course you separate but you still know each other and we still see each other so I have to admit I was uh, I've been totally taken a little bit aback and uh, found it quite hard to actually pull up the microphone today to do the podcast talking about Brentford because I know that he was he's going to be on his way up to Newcastle and I would have bumped into him in a pub somewhere so uh, all I want to say is I'm just sort of thinking about how you move this forward but um I think he obviously wants us to carry on doing our thing he wants all the Beast fans to carry on doing their thing uh, I think it's great that you know Again, I started seeing the bees when he started seeing them. So for them to him to have seen them in the Premier League, I think that's a that's a major thing and that's a key thing. So I'm I'm really glad he got to see them play in the Premier League. It's a real shame that he's not going to see, you know, more games in the Premier League. But I think, you know, hopefully the team's going to go out and do him proud on Saturday, do him proud for the rest of the season. The fans will, you know, I'm no doubt will give him some sort of a, a send off, you know, if it's not on Saturday, but the Saturday afterwards or at some stage and uh well, Beckles, you know, you'll be with us, mate, for every single game. That's all I can say. And you knew him as well, didn't you, Laney? Yeah, Adrian Beckles is someone that, um, you know, he, he was. He, you would see him at every game. You know, he, he drank in the Globe and, you know, he was He was one that you you just see him. You just you see him everywhere. You know, even if even if you didn't know his name and you didn't, you'd never spoken to him. Um, wherever you would be watching a Brentford game, anywhere in the country, he'd be there. 
Um, you know, it was just just part of the fabric, the DNA of, of travelling home and away with, with Brentford Football Club, going back as far as I can remember. So, yeah, you know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, life's fragile sometimes and, you know, you've got to celebrate it. And as you rightly said, Bill, it's just, just, it's just a relief that, you know, after all those years, he, he got to see us in the Prem, which so many other Brentford fans didn't do. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a shock and, you know, our thoughts and our, you know, our condolences to his his closest friends and his family. And, uh, yeah. you know, if there's anything we any of us can do, then, you know, we're, we're there we're there for you. And, yeah. you know, as you said, hopefully, you know, they, we can find a way to uh, mark his life at a, a game coming up soon. Yeah, most definitely for his wife, Shana, as well, and his, and his sister as well. And his family, his whole family. I mean, I, I, like I said to you, I'm, I, I'm, I'm completely stunned by the whole thing. It's just because, again, it's when somebody sort of quite that you've just known for such a long time, it really has thrown me as well. And also, he's you know, one of the very few black supporters that were was on the terraces in the seventies and the eighties as well. You know, there was myself, then there was Beckles, and like I said to you, as you, you all know my stories. There's a couple of others of us as well, and that was it. We were we were there, sort of kind of sort of kind of riding out the waves of what was going on back in the day. So, uh, you know, he rode it out. A long, long time, and it's a real shame that he wasn't able to ride it, ride it out with us a little bit longer. But like I said to you, you know, he'll be there with us. You know, all the other matches, mate, we'll be there with him, and uh, we'll have a beer for him and with him on Saturday up in Newcastle. Yeah. yeah so anyway, yeah, there was also another incident that's happened as well. You know, I, I'm not too sure of what had happened here because, like I said to you, I've been out of the country a lot, but I know there was a, a young football coach, his name is Ali, who also got killed. I think it was outside the Royal Horse Guardsman and also Betty from the Griffin, who I, I, we all know her very well as well. And she got injured as well. And they were both knifed by the same person, I believe. I don't really know what the incident is because like I said to you, I've been away and out of the country. All I know, it's a really two very sad incidents or three very sad incidents happened in and around Brentford within the space of what, three or four days. And uh, and it's, it seemed to have rocked the club, isn't it, um, um, Laney? Yeah, this this... Ali is someone that I, I didn't personally know, but a lot of people um, around the club do know. Um, and he seems to have stepped into a situation um, to protect Betty. And he's, he's come out um, and, and lost his life. Um, you know, it's a, a huge act of bravery by, by, by the sounds of it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not necessarily Brentford Football Club, but it's right next to Griffin Park. And it's, it's you know, it's part of that core that sort of nucleus of the of, of, of the town you know um it's a, it's a small town isn't it brentford and um you know most people know each other um so yeah thoughts thoughts and uh best wishes to everyone affected by that as well it's a bit of a grim yeah. start to the pod but you've got yeah. to pay your respects definitely playing the respects as well so just like i said to you just coming back to it san marino i'm not i'm not, I'm not going to even delve into my san marino tale because that'll be just like going into more kind of <laughs> grief and stuff all i can say to you is there's some idiots out there that's all i will say to you but then some idiots get their comeuppance but um what i will say also is that what was nice though is that i met um, a whole lot of newcastle fans out there as well and so i was hanging out with them before the game basher and his crew as well who have invited us to their, their bar i think it's rosie's bar which they drink in actually so we might go there before the game on saturday as well and they were very very helpful bought us lots of beers and bought lots of beers back for them and just they're just mm. well up for it as well so that'll be quite talking good of, uh, yeah, talking, of beers, mm. talking of beers i'm about to put um a, an alternative pub guide to newcastle up so uh hopefully that will be up on thursday morning as well so there's some there's some absolutely cracking boozers that have been recommended by a brentford fan that's uh yeah. that knows Steve's. newcastle inside out 
that's right steve steve horowitz as well who's like i said to you he's you know he's been in and around just contributing and just throwing his two pence worth in here and there as well which is all good steve so thank you very much for your contribution that's going to be going up in time for people to be able to log it and put it <laughs> into their uh, the system for newcastle weekender um which we will be talking about a little bit later because as they say i'm not going to say anything's possible because we already know anything is possible <laughs> anyway listen we need to move on because we need to crack on and cast our minds back to well, a couple of weekends ago we don't really want to cast our minds back because we no, lost the game no but we have to cast our minds back because you know we look forward a little back a little bit then we can actually look forward to the positivity that we're going to have fingers crossed so i'm going to go next door grab yourself a little beer and then i'm going to come back and i'm going to talk about the norwich game so about 10 days ago Norwich came to New Griffin Park and we thought it was going to be a walk in the park. Well, we didn't quite think it was going to be a walk in the park, but we thought we get three points. I mean, again, we'll come back to it. I, I thought it was a must win game for Brentford because not only did I think that we must win, but I also thought that we would win, you know, bearing in mind that Norwich had, had scored only two goals, I think, so far that season and and hadn't beaten anybody at all. I think they'd lost all. I know they drew. I think they drew one of their games and lost all their games. They so drew, it was one of those drew, ones. They drew cut two. And they they drew a couple of matches and they lost all the rest of them. So I thought it's a must-win game. I didn't think they were going to lose. But those are the kind of games that you get Brentforded right up. And we were Brentforded right up against Norwich a couple of weeks ago. So look, instead of us trying to tell you what went down in that match, let's go back to the fans and hear what they had to say after the game in the stands and in the pub. I didn't know what was going on for the first half especially. We, we were just all over the place, really, really like out of sorts. Just, just did no game plan. Uh, every pass Canos made uh, went to one of their players, but he had no choices because he had three men on him and every time he played, he couldn't lose the ball, so he had to play it and he played it to one of theirs. So, you know, that was the tough on him. But, uh, yeah, second half, I thought God Godos came on, changed it up a little bit. But towards the end, the last 15 minutes, we put good up front. We had force on the pitch. Everything was, like, weird. There was no game plan. It was just, like, big men up front, chuck it all forward. And it was just a bit hopeless, really. Because that was one of the worst games of football I've watched in a long, old time. I wasn't at Burnley, but, I mean, at least Burnley played well by the sound of it. That was dreadful. That was a League One quality match with a League Two quality refereeing team. That was absolutely painful to watch. I mean, I don't know about people paying ticket touts money to come and see this. I feel like I've done half done by with my season ticket price. That was such a bad game. Really quite depressing. I'm trying. I'm going into the season with the with the attitude of enjoy every game, and I am. But. That was a test because that was dreadful. It was. I don't see anything good coming out of that at all. First half, they had people in midfield who ran with the ball and took our players on. We didn't. We got the ball, and as soon as we got the ball, we were looking to pass it sideways, quick one, quick one, two. Never had a player who could get the ball and then run at their defence and worry them. And that's what they did to us in the first half, and they got two goals out of it. They looked more hungry for it. They wanted it more. And then I said the same what happened next, uh, the second half, we'll come out guns blazing, which we did, but we were 2-0 down. So you're on the back foot, aren't you? This should have been a good opportunity. I don't know whether pressure got to them as a as a must-win and the players just you know, got dazzled by that. I don't know. Thomas Frank needs to get it in their heads. It doesn't matter who we're playing, we need to give them a massive game, you know? And I don't think today we did. 
Jensen looked weak. Jensen looked very weak in midfield. He doesn't look like a Premier League player at all. I mean, personally, I'd even bring Onyenka in and go with two holding midfielders against a team like that. I know you should go attacking, blah, blah, blah. But Jensen looked awful today, like he has done for the past, past season, to be honest. But it's not, it's not good to see us like this. I mean, oh, oh, I love this club of everything, but fucking hell, we look shit today. <laughs> we look very shit today. I mean, I don't like to put the pressure on the players, and I know what happened on Twitter, and I know what happens everywhere else, and there's a lot of pressure on the players, but there was pressure today, and we're now dragged into the relegation fight, and it's just, it's not needed. I think if you played, there's a certain way to play against a team like that, and we did not play well at all against them. We did not set up against Norwich at all, and they just, they, they to be honest, first half, they dominated us. Second half, mate, we were all over them, but that, that first half, we were abysmal. You know, any game in the Premier League is not easy. And I, I, you look at that game today, look, Norwich won the league, you know, and no game is easy in the Premier League. So, you know, it was frustrating. The players are on a bit of a low at the moment, you know, four, four games without a win, four losses in a row. But, you know, we haven't, we haven't faced this in quite a long time. And I think... You know, give it time. The players will. The players will play well, and I think we can do it. Really frustrated because it needs to be bullies in the team sometimes, and you ain't got no bullies in the side. And for me, you know, I was watching uh, Ivan Tony today, and I wanted to be a bit bully. You know, he, he scored a lot of goals last year, and I wanted more from the team. First half, second half, I couldn't fault them, but first half, disappointed because I'm. Um, I'm from Norris Way and um, disappointed in the result, to be fair. Mate, this is going to be a dogfight to the real end here. We need 38 points, and I'm counting them down. We're in the Premier League. We're not in the bottom three, and, 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 and we will have a good run, and we will come back. And you know what? It is what it is, isn't it? So there you go, fans in the stands and in the pub. At Norwich. And what a weird day that was because we got beaten by Norwich and then their manager went over and he was like applauding and he was really happy and he's like crying. Yeah, you know, this is the start of the the whole new regeneration of Norwich. Yeah, I'm going to go back in and we're going to win more matches. And then he got sacked. He had to fark right off. His fark was that was out of there, wasn't he? You know what I'm saying? So that was really bizarre because we were thinking, oh no, not only have we missed our best opportunity to have beaten Norwich because they were not very good before they played us, even though they were sort of all right, you know. But then they've got now a new manager, which that new manager, to be quite honest, if he can't be any worse than what he did with them. So uh, I don't know. It's ended up being a bit of a kind of a bit of a wrong one for us, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, after after we'd lost, and like you're right, you know, Farker was over in the corner whipping the fans up and it was an, you know, it was a, it, it, you're right. It, it could have been like uh, a, a turning point. Um, he was sacked, and Dean Smith is now their manager. And you know, he was still in the job at, at 90 minutes. So, you know, in in less than two weeks, two clubs have just just had you know everything turned on its head, and new managers, and um, just just yeah, just. Just is you wouldn't have thought it at ninety at ninety minutes when the final whistle went. You thought, okay, fine. The play, the, the Norwich players have uh, you know dug deep for their for their guy. They've 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 obviously 
shown that they're not going to kind of just uh, let him just get sacked. They look like they put a shift in for Farker and it counted for nothing in the end. Um, got three points, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Dean Smith's there and uh, who'd have thought? Yeah, I mean, listen, we know Dean Smith really well. I mean, I saw the, the Norwich, you know, um, talk Norwich City. They got Dan Bardell on their show and Dan Bardell is from the Villa View, you know, big Villa fan. And he, you know, he was, you know, waxing lyrical about Dean Smith. And I was thinking it's quite interesting. Okay, because I know Dean Smith is at Villa for that, you know, he's only there for a couple of years, I think it was, maybe two, two and a bit years. Uh, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe he was there for three years. I don't know. He was there for, was it? No, he was there for, yeah, a couple of seasons in the Premier League. And I suppose he got them up as well. Three. Yeah, three so he's there for three years, I suppose. And uh, I suppose they, they know him really well. But, uh, you know, I thought, I'm not really funny, but we know Dean Smith really, really well. So, um, you know, they didn't come to us, so they've gone for the sort of Premier League view. But what are your thoughts of Dean Smith going to Norwich, Laney? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? And the reason why, I mean, I know everyone's going, why are you talking about Norwich? It's a Brentford podcast, but I actually think it affects us because, look, it depends on if you're looking down or if you're looking up. Everyone thought Norwich had gone, so they thought, OK, Norwich had gone already, so there's only two spots left. But, you know, if, Norwich, if Dean Smith can get him to win, what, three games in a row, you know, they're back in the game, aren't they? Yeah, we're back to anything is possible. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good fit. You know, Dean Smith is a, is a lovely guy and everything I hear about Norwich is, is a lovely club. Um, uh, they're a unique club. You know, they've got a lot of, lot of uh, abuse, not abuse, but criticism for like there being a yo-yo club up and down, up and down. Um, I'm not sure Dean Smith is a kind of like one for helping them survive a battle. But I mean, I know, although he did, you know, he did keep Aston Villa up that first season. But he, he didn't. He didn't need. He didn't need Hawkeye for that. Though, he, didn't he, he did. Yeah, he did need a, a dodgy Hawkeye for that. Um, but he he'll get them playing good football. And you know, we we there was like the Norwich fans were saying that they were slightly jealous of, of Brentford because we we come up and we've given it a go, and that giving it a go has, has got them a lot of points. He Dean Smith got Aston Villa playing some really really good football. I feel sorry for Dino because you know it was it was a, it was a team of his childhood. He, he supported them. His dad supported them. His brother supports them, um, and. Uh, it, it, I think it was because Jack Grealish went really. I mean, they and they've not had they've not had sort of a, a settled team. The replacements for Grealish haven't haven't really all played together. So I, 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 I think it was a harsh one. I think I think he deserved more time. But you know, at, at Norwich, he's got some he's got some he's got some really good attacking players as well. If he can get them playing with a with a more of an intensity. Um, and a more of a kind of like a sense of adventure, then they, they, they might pick up some more points. Whether it's enough to keep them up, I don't know. But he's, he's got a lot of catch up. But I, w- I wish him well, but not at our expense. So mm. I kind of don't don't wish him well in that respect. You know what I mean? It's a tough one. I like him, but I still want Norwich to lose every week because they're one of the teams that are kind of vying for you know the, the relegation places that we hope that we're nowhere near at the end of the season. Yeah, well, this is that. I think this is the point that I'm trying to say. I mean, the, the fear that I have is obviously, like I said, he, he plays, he does play good football, and he'll get them playing, and also he'll be able to get the young players, and, and I think motivate them. That's what he, that's where he's really good. You know, I think they had players like uh, Cantwell, who I think is a, he's a good player as well. And obviously they had that Billy Gilmore, which uh, a lot of uh, fans were saying that we should have brought in Billy Gilmore on loan from Chelsea, but you know, Brentford don't do loans like that. I don't think so. You know, he's going elsewhere. 
Now, other teams are going to build him up and he's going to go off back to Chelsea or go somewhere else and they're probably never going to get him again. But, you know, I suppose in the state that um, Norwich at the moment now, they don't really care about that because they just need someone to keep them up. But the fact that Gilmore hasn't been playing and I think Kentmore hasn't been playing as well is a little bit like, I think Dean Smith is going to go in there with, you know, rubbing his hands and thinking, right, here you go. You know, I think you guys can, you know, can, can, can help us to get out of this situation. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do down there. But, I mean, obviously... I mean, Norwich were <laughs> that game. I mean, and I'm just looking at the summary for that game. You can check it out, PrideOfWest.London. We did a, a weekend review, as we always do every single Sunday. And we reviewed that whole game. And, you know, we just sort of said, like, you know, quite, you know, 24 hours later, kind of how depressed we were having lost to Norwich. But fair play to them because they, you know, they took the game to us, scored a, a goal very early, scored a penalty very early. Then they weathered the storm. You know, just looking at the match summary for that. Brentford created a high number of chances relative to relative to our possession. You know, we were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from the flanks and we were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from set pieces as well. You know, we just were poor at finishing. Now, looking at what Norwich were strong at, they were not strong at anything at all, according to whoscore.com. You know what I'm saying? But they're aggressive. They lost possession often and they're caught offside often, like, you know, so... You know, it's interesting because, you know, looking at the game, I mean, I know it's not all about shots. It's about the quality of the shots and that. We had 19 shots to nine. You know, we had six shots in open play to their five, 13 set pieces to two. Like, you know, it's kind of like we did actually kind of like, we did sort of slightly Alamo themselves, even though discussion between ourselves and the Besotted crew, we did say, you know, okay, yeah, but we, you know, but it was still quite rubbish. And I don't know if it was rubbish because we just let in that early goal again and everything just seemed a bit flat. Do you do you think that's what it was, Laney? Because I think taking a bit of a back seat on this a little bit, the performance probably wasn't as bad as what we actually all thought it was. It's probably the result was really bad. Is that it? The result was really bad. The first half performance was really quite poor as well. Um the the you know it is an excuse but it is i think it's a legitimate one the the the, the injuries have, have really cost us they have you know and it's, it's not a it's not a oh yeah you know but we've got injuries it, it, you can't you can't just kind of shrug it off and just ignore it it's a, it's a fact you know we're if if we had the same team that started the season against arsenal um or the or the team that won up at you know, one up at West, one at West Ham or one at Wolves, you know, in the first half, then I think we, I think we beat Norwich, but we, we were so, so weak, so much weakened. And I, I just don't, I just don't think if we're not on our game and we haven't got our 18, then, you know, it's, it's a, it's a struggle and you give, give someone a two goal lead. I mean, we put in a really good, a very intense and a, and a very, very, kind of Alamo it was a bit anarchic second half but you know you, you can't you can't say that we didn't try and rescue it we, we probably deserved at least a point out of our point we it still would have felt a slight defeat I think but we would have we would have got a, a, you know a point that we you know it's going to be very useful so yeah I, I think we're clutching at straws to think of anything positive really but I, I just I'm just hoping that when we run out of St James's Park on Saturday there's there's a few refreshed and a few faces that we've been missing, and Yanel, you know, we need him back to the Yanel we know. But he, he he clearly wasn't fit against Norwich, and you know, again, you give give it to any team two goals at this level, you, you you're probably not going to win. 
No, no, no. So, I mean, we've given our view, but we're going to go over to somebody who basically sits in his lab. He crunches the numbers out and he knows exactly what's going down statistical wise on the pitch. So we had Will Alsop, otherwise known as the spreadsheet winker, checking out that Norwich game to see if it really was as bad as it looked from the West Stand Terrace. So listen, Will, tell us what you know about Norwich. Spreadsheet winker. So what do we need to know about the Norwich game then? Bees ended up with 2.92 xG to Norwich's 1.24, 0.8 of which was given to them by the penalty. The Bees had three huge chances right in the Norwich six-yard box, two from Norgard and one scored by Henry. At 53%, we actually scored the hardest of all those chances. We also had a slew of smaller chances of order 0.1 to 0.2 xG, around 10 to 12 yards out, meaning the Norwich defence and goalkeeper were on top form to deny us at least one more goal. Seven of our 23 attempts were blocked by Tim Krull, and only five of the shots were off target. So by no means was this a bad day at the office for the Bees forwards, more like the performance of Krull's life. He made six saves in the match, three of them being reflex saves. Putting his performance in perspective, he conceded one goal in this match from 3.53 expected conceded goals. Contrast that to Norwich's 7 0 annihilation by Chelsea, where he conceded 7 from 3.76 XCG, only about 0.2 XCG more. So he was undeniably lucky against the Bees. In terms of pressing, Norwich sat off almost double as much as Brentford did, allowing 13 passes per defensive action to be 7.6. We also had our highest match tempo aside from the Crystal Palace match so far this season. Even higher than, for example, the Chelsea game, where we seemed frantic in our attacks. Alvaro Fernandez in goal also greatly improved his distribution, with 81% of his 16 long balls accurate, compared to 58% against Burnley, where we seemed totally ineffective going long. So that's Will, the spreadsheet winker, who's actually telling us, actually, that we were better... Then it looked, you know, I know some people don't like XG. They say you've got to put the ball in the back of the net. But I think if you weren't creating your chances, then you need to cry um, because you know that you're going to be really struggling. But we were creating a lot of chances in that game. I know it's a very different game to what we normally play with a lot of different personnel, but we were actually pretty lively. And, uh, you know, like I said, you were nearly three XG, I think it was, you know, compared to Norwich's 1.2 and uh, 0.8 of that was a penalty. So they didn't create very much outside the penalty that they got. Okay, they got two goals and that's fair play to them. But we had three massive chances that we could have scored plus a load of other chances. And Tim Krull was the one. And to be fair to him, Tim Krull, again, it's just like the Chelsea goalkeeper. He just he just pulled one out of the bag and he pulled one out of the bag against us. Annoyingly, didn't have anywhere near the same kind of effect against other people. So I don't know if, ironically, teams are actually raising their game against the Bees, hearing, oh, hold on, the Bees are meant to be quite good. We need to raise our game against that. But Tim Krull really raised his game against us. And again, any other game, we would have played against him and he would not have saved half the goals that he would have saved. It would have been a different game altogether. But no complaints there because Tim Krull, fair play, tip you out to. I think I even gave you uh, my man of the match in the weekend review as well for the opposition. So, um, Look, sometimes you just got to write them off, in it, lady? Yeah, um, we said before we, we saw it coming, didn't we? I, I, I said it'd be two-one. I, I don't, I don't want a pat on the back, and I don't, I certainly don't want a prize for it. I was more than happy to be wrong. 
but there was there was just something you could sniff that was was uh, it was going to happen. Norwich were going to win, and it was going to be against us. It was the unwritten rules of football we we put it down to, and so it transpires. Um, we have to literally wipe that slate clean, forget about the international break to international break window that we had, which was a stinky one, four straight defeats. Um, we have to go out and put it right. And put it right, I think we bloody well will, mate. Definitely we will do that. So this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast brought to you by Anything Is Possible. And Anything Is Possible, as we go over to JB, who's got a bit of a bit of facts and funk. JB, he, he, on his stats, mate, are on another level. He came out with some, tell you what, he came out with some wicked, wicked stats for the female um, Her Game 2 podcast. It was just like, I was like, whoa, JB, where do you come from this from? And I'll tell you what, what I might do is that after we've listened to his facts and funk on this game that's coming up, I might just reel off a few facts and funks from his Her Game 2 podcast. Listen, because he's just on another level. JB, give us some facts and funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. When Rico Henry scored against Norwich, he became our 10th different league goal scorer this season. Our 13 league goals have been scored by Brian, Ivan and Whistler with two apiece, and seven other players, each with one. A very different pattern from this stage last season, when 10 of our 17 goals have been scored by Ivan Tony, four by Marcus Force, with just three others spread around the rest of the team. With 11 games now played, we've won three, drawn three, and lost five which by a strange coincidence is exactly the same set of results as our very first top flight season in 1935. That season, we eventually finished fifth, our highest ever league position. As the Premier League and Football League complete over a quarter of their fixtures, no club has maintained a 100% home league record. So our record of winning all our 21 home league games, set 92 years ago in 1929-30, remains unequalled for yet another season. So there you go, JB, Jonathan Bircher with his facts and funks. You should check it out as well, because if you check him out on... Uh, just check out the the, the the information box on this, and you've got all his details, how you can get hold of him, because he's got a new book coming out as well. And I'm sure that he'd love you to go and check his book out, because it's going to be full of facts and funk. He's done it in collaboration with another Bees fan. And uh, like I said to you, he comes up with all sorts of great stuff. So he's got a new book coming out. I sort of saw a kind of draft copy when we were at the um, at the Black History Month event a few weeks ago and uh, and it looked good so i think you should definitely check that out but you know after listening to our her game two podcast which you should definitely check out pride of west london because it just talks about football talks about women in football talks about sexism in football and how we can make football better for everyone around us including the women and then he just came up with some facts that he's saying you know um did you know that 87 years ago the 1934 there was the first female reporter at griffin park and then in 1937, there's a newspaper report that said it found it very gratifying to see ladies taking such an interest in the game. Lady supporters were rapidly increasing in numbers and he had no doubt the ladies would do their best to see that the game was kept clean and wholesome. Right. That's 1937, you know. And then in 1950, which is 71 years ago, a newspaper posted the question, which club boasted the most female supporters and concluded that Brentford 
and Charlton had the honour, both claiming a large and enthusiastic female following. I'm <laughs> saying, <laughs> right, that's 71 years ago, 54 years ago, 1967, there was a first Brentford FC ladies team, right? You know, 39 years ago, 1982, Christine Matthews, and remember Christine as well, she was appointed as the club's chief development executive. Um, and she was responsible under the board's control for future development of marketing activities, ground facilities, administration. She was the club's first female administrator. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 36 years ago, 1985, the game with Berry had free admission for women and children under 16 through the Braemar Road. Like, you know, we were trying to get sort of more families and more kind of females to come to the ground. You know, and apparently women made up one in 20 of that crowd. And then... Uh, yeah, so it's interesting what he says because he said that, you know, if there'd been a podcast in the 70s and 80s, a topic which undoubtedly had been hooliganism and physical abuse, it feels like the online mental abuse has become the modern day hooliganism. So there's little thoughts from JB there. Do you think that was quite interesting, Laney? I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, I'd, um, there wasn't a lot of funk in that, but it was it was lots of facts. And uh yeah, I do. I do remember Christine Matthews. She was she worked for Martin Lange, and um, uh, yeah, it's we, we have been kind of f- quite forward thinking. And uh, there's a there's a beautiful picture as well in the Griffin Park book that's uh, I think it was taken in 1917, 1918. It's a picture of just 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 spectators on the, on the Elian Road, and there is there is a lot of women. Uh, in in the photograph so you know women supporters have, have been integral to to the to the makeup of our um you know our crowds back back to the you know early parts of last century so uh long may that continue and uh long may they feel safe welcomed and um included definitely so look we're going to take a break have a few beers we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the newcastle game at the weekend So, Newcastle on Saturday, in typical Brentford style, we play a club and they decide to get rid of their manager and they get a new manager in and we have to try and see if we can get the old new manager bounce to be a load of old nonsense. Just to let you know, because everyone talks about the new manager bounce, but again, talking to people within the club, as you know, Brentford are big on the stats, big on the, you know, our owner owns a gambling company and they obviously advise people as to where they put their money. And apparently the new manager bounce is a load of nonsense because statistical wise, actually they've done the research and actually clubs actually fall to the wrong side. So when a new manager comes in, the team is actually more likely to lose the game than win the game, apparently. But now, new manager bounce is something which works really well with the media, well with the hype, well with the sort of kind of trying to get the up, uplifting feeling of, of fans and the team getting a new uh, manager in. But actually, it's a load of bollocks, right, <laughs> statistical-wise. And if you've taken 100 games where a new manager's been in, you know, it's probably 52 of them have been like, you know, they've lost and 48 of them have been that they've won. I don't know the exact stats, but all I know is that it, it falls on the, the side where we'll probably be a little bit more comfortable about on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So Newcastle... Laney, Eddie Howe, good news for us, bad news for us, or indifferent? Indifferent, I think. You know, it's it's a massive game for Newcastle United supporters. They've 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 longed for change for for years and years and years. They've got new owners, and now they've got a new manager that they've been calling out for, and um, they'll hope that it, it can't get any worse. Well, you know, it. it it, it could do and I hope it will do on, on Saturday 
whatever you thought of Steve Bruce, he he knew the squad and he he set them up um, and he got them he got them kind of oh, it, it was it was a weird kind of football. Um, they sometimes in games they didn't even look like they were trying to win. They were just trying not to lose. Um, Eddie Howe, he's not got that in his armoury, I don't think. And I, I think you know. <laughs> Newcastle United supporters will be fully expecting, a, you know, their team to just come out on the pitch and just what you know, brush us aside. Uh, we're we're a lot better than that, and you know, the the, the well, I said there was few plus points. The the only plus point you highlight you highlighted was the XG. We're still creating chances, and I think we go to uh, the northeast and we will create chances. We have to score them. Yeah, so if we we create three xg, we we should be scoring three, four, or five goals. So I, I think we we go there and we cause them a lot of problems. And Eddie Howe, he's got a, an attack, attractive brand of attacking football. Has he got the players? You know, some Max a man is 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 is, is quality. Um, there's there's precious little else in that team, and you know. I, we have to we have to go there and really ask lots of questions and you know we we, we can go there and make a really memorable afternoon and, and I think we have to go there and make history and that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, okay. I mean we're we're talking about Newcastle. Um I mean Newcastle twenty seventeen you know, twenty seventeen I think is for me when Newcastle came down to the championship. They were there for one season. They were the side that everybody wanted to go to the match. Everyone wanted to play. They were the big team. Everybody went up to Newcastle. Very similar to us now, where we took, again, I think we took 3,000 fans up to Newcastle for that game in 2017, 2018, I think it was, whenever it was. And we're taking 3,000 fans again up to Newcastle on Saturday. I, I told the Newcastle lads that I met in Rimini on, well, yesterday, I think it was, the day before yesterday. I said, well, coming up on Friday, he said, how many you got? I said, 3,000. He said, that's amazing. You know, Brentford, fair play to you. So I think tip the hats to everybody who's actually taking time out to uh, to, to follow the bees this season. He's doing a really, really great job in supporting the team. But Newcastle, we've got no idea what's been going on the last few years. So we thought we're going to go over to Norman Riley from the True Faith podcast because he knows everything about Newcastle and their takeover and their manager and everything that's going on. So, Norman, give us the lowdown on Newcastle. Hello, I'm Norman Rayley. I'm part of the True Faith Newcastle United fanzine and podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at TFNUFC or head to our website, which is www.true-faith.co.uk I've been supporting Newcastle United for as long as I can remember uh, first match was in 1986 a lovely Boxing Day defeat in freezing cold weather to Everton 4-0 when Everton were an absolutely brilliant side in the mid 80s um, that horrific 4-0 defeat clearly didn't put me off because I've been watching matches ever since and obviously being a Newcastle United fan they've been many ups and doons over the years more doons than ups but hey I tell you what the ups have been pretty good um, in terms of the season so far well where do you start terrible absolutely terrible in terms of the, the football played and where we are in the league we are in a real relegation battle 11 games without a win turgid football under Steve Bruce hasn't really improved under Graham Jones who's been obviously interim manager for the 
last three games. And it's not as if we can turn around and say we've played really good sides other than Chelsea at home, really. Um, I mean, you could even argue Man United away shouldn't have been as tough a game as it turned out with a 4-1 defeat. But the teams that we played, you know, you look at Watford down there with us, Leeds down there with us, although you could, you know, you could argue it's a false position with Leeds given given how good Bielsa is as a manager. Villa away, second game of the season, admittedly, but still they've had a terrible start and just sacked their manager, uh, your old boss, Dean Smith, obviously. So, yes, results have been bad. Um, interestingly enough, the last two away games, Brighton away and Crystal Palace away, the performances have been the standard shocking, but in retrospect, getting a point at Brighton and getting a point at Crystal Palace, they're pretty, pretty solid points. It's just that in the context of us not having won a game all season, it's still... It's still worrying, um, and as I say, the, the standard of football was, wasn't has been shocking for a, a long, long time. Um, the game against you lot, obviously, we'll go. I'll go into that in a bit. But it, it's a game that we basically need, absolutely need to win. Um, we are in dire and a dire situation. Um, obviously, we played you last in the League Cup last season where I think your manager Thomas Frank put out more or less a second choice side and you comfortably beat our first choice 11 more or less our first choice 11 and that was for us I guess as a League Cup quarter final it was just another example of how poorly Newcastle United were performing under Steve Bruce I nearly said how poorly we were progressing but we weren't progressing we were absolutely regressing from the situation we found ourselves in when the previous manager Benitez left um, we obviously played in the championship a couple of times I think the home game we won quite comfortably I remember John Joe Shelby having one of those games where he was just pinging passes around left right and centre and you couldn't cope with them and the away game at Griffin Park, a lot tougher. I was there. Um, Griffin Park is, I mean, Griffin Park was a fantastic stadium. I've, I've been there on numerous occasions. Um, that particular game, we took the lead early on through Dwight Gale, and it looked like we were going to march on to a, a quite a comfortable victory. But you lads came right back into it, deservedly equalised. And after that, it was anyone's game, really. Um, Rafa made an excellent substitution, bringing on Daryl Murphy, and I kind of think he disrupted your back line, and we, we got a winner through an absolutely wonderful header from a fantastic uh, Ayose Perez cross. Griffin Park itself, as I say, being there on numerous occasions, I've got a, a good friend, Jake Duffin, who's been a Brentford season ticket holder for many years, and he's done several podcasts with us here at True Faith. And I first went there in, I think, February 2009. I watched you play Chester City at home. Uh, Chester City were struggling at the time, and you were in League Two. I think your forward, Charlie McDonald, who, interestingly enough, scored, I believe, his only Premier League goal for Charlton Athletic against Newcastle. He banged in a hat-trick and looked absolutely fantastic that day. And that, I think, was the weekend that we had those mad snowstorms in London and basically the whole public transport system completely collapsed. I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Um, I also went to Griffin Park to watch Gated lose 5-2 in an FA Cup replay. And it's just a fantastic place. I used to love the fact that they had the pub on each corner of the ground. Obviously, latter days there, a couple of them closed down. But yeah, what what a great stadium and, and absolutely gutted you didn't get back up a season or two earlier. Uh, or get into the... I'm saying get back up your last day in the 50s. Or get up a, a couple of seasons earlier because I would love to have gone to the old Griffin Park one more time. However, I can't wait to go to the new stadium uh, toward the end end of the season. I think uh, on, on TV and anyways, it looks fantastic. So looking forward to that. 
Um, in terms of uh, the, the the football and um, you know comparing the football in the championship, the football in the Premier League, it's it's interesting. I think you know in the championship we were so so good under Rafa that. It never, they never, never felt like we were going into game worried. Even though we did lose a few matches, I never felt that. I never felt worried. I never, I never thought that we'd lose a couple of games off the spin. And the style of football that we played for that particular division, uh, the four-four-one-one formation with the army in behind Dwight Gill, I think it was, it, it was ideal. It was ideal for the championship back then. I mean, you could argue that you know, five years, four years later, the, the championship itself has changed. There's a lot more quality football insides down there, and I imagine it's an incredibly difficult division to get out of. Um, but if you're, you know, if you if you're talking about the kind of difference in in standards, it's just in the in the Premier League ultimately what you have is you have great disparities between a lot of the teams towards the bottom of the table and towards the top, and you just have a better quality of player. It's as simple as that. And I guess you have managers also who all have, you know, more tactical innovation in their arsenal. So you might in the Championship you might come up against quite a lot of teams where you know what they're, you know how they're going to play. And they don't really deviate from that. I think in the Premier League, obviously, that that's not necessarily the case. And also, teams can be struggling against you, and then they can just bring one or two really class players off the bench and completely change the game. Whereas again, in the Championship, that isn't necessarily the case. In terms of the way it is in the Championship, I mean, I, I think I, would I prefer them? I maybe prefer them because we won a lot more games. But ultimately, I think most places you can, whether it's the Championship or the Premier League, each city, each town you can to, you usually. And you usually end up enjoying yourself because it's just visiting somewhere new, right? It's uh, it's great. I mean, as I say, Brentford's always been one of my favourite away days. Um, other ones, you know, a lot of the South Coast games I love to go to. Um, a lot of the kind of old industrial northern towns. But yeah, in, in terms of the, the, the difference between fans in the Premier League and in the Championship, I guess... The Premier League is a lot more corporate in the sense that you have more expensive tickets. You maybe have a slightly different demographic of fan going, um, not across the board, obviously, but you know maybe you, you know you get a lot more, let's say, tourists in there or or people who live in the, in the UK and you know aren't necessarily football fans but just like going to football matches and, and seeing the big footballers. Um, Chelsea is the club that springs to mind immediately when I when I think of this. Um, but um, I, I really, really enjoyed the championship season. Uh, as I say, ask me that question if we hadn't gone up, might have been, might have been a different answer. But um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I, as much as I enjoyed it, it's one I never want to repeat because I never want to see us in the championship again. Of course. In terms of advice for Brentford in the first season of the Premier League, I don't think I can give advice to Brentford. I think Thomas Frank is an absolutely wonderful manager and one who I think is constantly learning. You listen to him interviewed after matches, whether you've won, lost or drawn, and he always has a comment to make on where he thinks he could do better, where he thinks his team could do better. And you've gone into a little bit of a poor run recently. However, I don't think that'll be an issue. I do believe that you have the quality there to avoid relegation. You've got the quality in the coaching staff, and I think that you've probably got a little bit of money you can play with in the transfer window. So if you need a couple of signings in, I don't doubt you'll get them. Um... You are a side as well, I believe, who, who have a very clear plan. It seems like your ownership know exactly what they're doing. Um, and I don't think that you will necessarily struggle in the games that you have to win. I, I mean, look, early on, you seem to have raised your game against the so-called bigger sides. Arsenal, for example, brilliant performance. Uh, Liverpool, the draw was fantastic. You've done incredibly well I believe you beat Wolves away I might have that one uh, that one wrong but 
it, it is, I suppose, the, the important ones are the teams that you think are going to be around you, right? If So if you as a fan, as a Brentford fan, I think and just avoiding relegation this season is the key. And if you're getting towards sort of January and, you, and you're in the, the bottom eight, then it's it's the teams around you. It's the results against the teams around you that are really important. But I don't doubt that Frank has a plan to to do that. Uh, moving on to, to Steve Bruce. He wasn't universally popular on Tayside, and the reason for that is simply because when he arrived, he replaced a very much beloved manager in Rafa Benitez, and a manager who was the complete opposite, uh, a sort of tactically fastidious manager who analysed everything forensically, and then Steve Bruce comes in, and he is basically a throwback to the sort of late 90s, early noughties. No real desire to be on the training ground, other, um, other than just simply picking the team and saying, oh, hey, lads. Let's see what we can do. Run around a bit and try and score a goal. He came across in interviews as incredibly thin-skinned. He patronised the fan base on numerous occasions. And it's not just Newcastle that he's done this with. Obviously, if you ask any Aston Villa fan, or if you look at you know, old stories on, on the internet, uh, even BBC articles, for example, you'll see that he behaved exactly the same way to Aston Villa fans, exactly the same way to Sunderland fans. So it's not as if we're, as Newcastle fans, thinking... You know, why is it just us? Why is it just us? It's clearly not. Um, Steve Bruce has ostracised many a fan base at clubs he's been at. Um, and when he arrived at Newcastle, it was one of those moments you think, well, maybe we'll be all right for a season or two because, you know, Rafa set up the club so well. The, the players are defensively well drilled. We might be all right, but then it'll start to fall apart. And that's more or less come true. This season, we were absolutely awful. Last season, we were terrible for the bulk of it. Two wins in 20-odd games. Joe Willock comes in and Willock changes everything. Um, but obviously, that that's unsustainable, having a player score in basically seven games consecutively, a, a young midfielder like that. Um, Bruce never really had an idea what he was doing. Um, he, as I say, came across on TV as patronising, would say things that we played really well for 20 minutes in various games, forgetting the fact that, you know, games last 90 minutes, so if you're good for 20 minutes or okay for 20 minutes, the other 70 minutes, if the other team's better than you, then you're still going to get beat, and that's, that tended to be what happened. Um, it's not even a case of it really going wrong under Bruce, it just, it was all, it was never right and it was never going to be right. The defensive solidity that Rafa instilled in those players, by the time Bruce left, we were, I think, the worst side defensively in the league, perhaps bar Norwich. Um, and, you know, Norwich had an outlier result when they lost 7-0 to Chelsea, although Bruce may have been gone by that point, in fact, he was. So, yes, I believe our defence was the worst in the division at the time. So, yeah, um, as I say, nothing really went wrong in the sense that we didn't ever think it would go right. Um, Rafa was loved at Newcastle purely because he seemed to get the fans. We could see that there was a, there was a plan there all the time. He was a, a meticulous in his preparation for every match and he explained more or less every performance perfectly at the end of it. We believed that he was capable of building a, a team that would just consistently progress. He was always looking to push the club forward, always looking to push the club forward. Whereas Bruce was more a case of, well, I'm just doing my best. It's going to be tough. It's very hard at Newcastle. That was never the case for Rafa. You always felt that he was in your corner fighting for you. And the reason he didn't stay is basically because he wanted to be given certain guarantees by Mike Ashley that he never got. It's as simple as that. Um... 
Mate, Ashley not popping on Tainty. Look, I don't need to go into this uh, too long. Mate, Ashley was a man who did nothing other than wanting to suck money out of the club. His ambition was to finish fourth bottom of the Premier League every season, doing it as cheap as possible. And that's more or less, you know, that, that, was, the, that was the plan. Um, we had an outlier season when Alan Pardew took us to fifth in the league. And he then went out and spent no money in the summer because his attitude was very much, well, if we can get fifth this season with, the, with these players, we can get fifth next season with these players. If we finish 12th of these players this season, we can finish 12th of these players next season. Obviously, we as football fans know that's not how it works. And ultimately, Mike Ashley, during his 14-year tenure as owner, we got relegated twice. Um, we'd been relegated twice in all history prior to that. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know about Mike Ashley. Um, the... Takeover has massively galvanised the fan base. There's absolutely no two ways about it. Uh, you probably saw the celebrations in the city centre. Afterwards, fans just feel this gigantic sense of relief and also the huge return of optimism. And in terms of what I expect, look, initially, the it's clear. The first plan is to avoid relegation. Quite simple. That's the only, the only task at hand right now is to avoid relegation. And then after that, let's see where, where we lead to on a personal level. What I want to see is a team consistently progressing, a team that maybe avoids relegation this season, can finish comfortably mid-table next season and then can start thinking about pushing on for the, the top six with the right kind of investment. I want to see the academy invested in. I want to see players from the, the region come through the academy and play for the club. I look at Chelsea and the players that they have in that team, local lads from London coming through and, and just doing fantastically well. You could argue Arsenal have done a similar thing with the academy. I would love to see that at Newcastle, absolutely love to. Um, it's not about going out and spending millions and millions and millions on players who are here for big wages, as good as they may be. It's about getting the right players in, players who want to be here, players who want to achieve success at Newcastle and seeing where that takes away. And obviously with the academy, you bring those lads through, you're going to get that right. It's, it's got to be a mixture of as I say, academy lads who understand the club inside out and players coming in who are really hungry to do well at Newcastle. Um, you know, I've been asked about the, the takeover and the moral side, the human rights issues with Saudi Arabia. Um, of course, I don't think anyone in their right mind would be comfortable with the Saudi Arabian regime. That, that's that, that's obvious. And if if you are comfortable with the, the practices that they undertake in their country, then you probably need to do some, some introspection. Um, however, I'm a Newcastle football fan. I have been for many, many years, as I say. And to walk away from your football club, an entity that runs through your very own social fabric, something that is, you know, it, it, your, your relationships with friends, with family are predicated on your football club. It can be the centre of your life and it is for thousands and thousands of people around the world. So to, to walk away from that is, is hugely difficult. And look, we are very capable as human beings of, of practising dissonance and ultimately the fact that what they do isn't right here in front of my eyes, then I find it easier to practise dissonance. It's, it, it, I can... Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hypocrite. It's as, as simple as that. What this what this takeover has done is is it obviously it is I suppose on many levels undermined who I thought I was on a political level because I'm still going to Newcastle matches despite the fact that I'm very much aware of what our owners do in their own country. It's um, it's a difficult one. It's very very difficult to to sort of square off how you are or how you think you are politically with what your football club's owners may be doing in their own country. So, yeah, it's impossible to give a straight answer to it. Um, do I engage in, in hypocritical behaviour when I consider what my personal political opinions are? Yes. Do I judge any Newcastle United fan who continues supporting the club? Absolutely 100% not.
it's not an easy thing to walk away from your football club and it it's it's that simple. Um Eddie Howe okay he may not have been the first choice of the owners. I think it was very publicly clear that they almost had an Unai Emery, who would have been fantastic, an excellent, excellent manager, multi trophy winning manager. However, Eddie Howe is someone I am personally delighted with and you've probably seen the reaction on social media by Newcastle fans incredibly happy that he's here this is a man who took Bournemouth from the bottom of League 2 on minus 17 points to five consecutive seasons in the Premier League and a ninth place finish on one occasion which is just incredible he seems meticulous much like Rafa in his preparation he wants to learn all the time you know, I think there were a lot of similarities there with Thomas Frank in terms of how the, the game's played as well. The ball on the floor, passing football, attacking football. We are incredibly excited. He's got a difficult task on his hand. The next 10 games, he's got to play um, games with the players that have struggled this season. So he has to really lift them. I don't doubt him being on the training ground will we'll give that lift immediately. And we just have to hope that during the transfer window, he gets in the two or three players that are absolutely necessary to, to get us up the table. But look, right now, I'll have to say it here, I am very confident of Newcastle United staying up under Heddy Hill. And I genuinely believe that he can take the club forward. Um, in terms of you looking for looking out for Newcastle players and what style of football we play, impossible to say it's style of football right now because we've just got a new manager in. You'd like to hope that he'll have an immediate impact. I believe he will. But in terms of a style of football, who knows? Will he be going straight out all attacking football? I'd like, I'd like to think so. But again, this, you know that depends on the personnel that he's got available to him. And there are a lot of players in there who haven't played attacking football for a long time. So we may well see a more initially more pragmatic approach. Um, good players. You've all obviously seen ESM, and I imagine he isn't necessarily a player who is part of a, let's say, a, a team because he is very individualistic in how he approaches the game, but he can, on his own, beat four or five players, score a goal, set up a chance. He's incredibly dangerous, and I think if he's on it, he will give you trouble. The problem is he's been getting played as a centre-forward lately and he can't play a centre-forward. It's as simple as that. I believe how will 100% play him in his correct position, which is on the left-hand side of attack, and he can do serious damage. Um, Callum Wilson is a wonderful, wonderful centre-forward. Leads the line well, is a fantastic finisher. His shots-to-goals conversion at Newcastle, because he gets virtually no chances, is fantastic. So they're the two players that I would definitely say you ought to look out for. And ultimately, if Ryan Fraser's playing his right position and he can kind of repeat the form that he showed at Bournemouth under Hill, he can also be a, a dangerous player. Um, in terms of suspect players, oh God, where do we start? If Emil Kraft plays, then he's someone that you'll definitely target. If Matt Ritchie's played as a left wing back, then he's someone you target. But ultimately, this is unlikely to happen because we have a new manager who you hope and, and who I know will not play players in their incorrect positions. Um, in terms of you lot at Brentford, I mean, Ivan Tony, obviously, he may well feel he has something to prove, although I don't think there's really anyone at the club now that sanctioned that particular move. So who is he trying to prove it to? I guess it'll be the Newcastle fans, but ultimately we didn't get to see him in action enough to, to really form an opinion on what, what might have been. He was wonderful in the Championship. He seems to have taken well at the Premier League in terms of his distribution, all-round playability to... You know, create chances for teammates, but obviously he isn't he isn't scoring the same amount of goals he did last season. Which, you know, it, it's always going to be difficult in your first season in the Premier League and making that step up. Um, I don't doubt he's an he's an excellent player who will adjust. Um, and Buemo looks like he's done fantastically well for you. Um, I like your player Canos. I think he's a really gifted player as well. 
And all, all through your team, there are there, there is quality, and you definitely have the quality to do damage. I think your goalkeeper, Raya, is fantastic, but I'm not too sure if he's been available lately and, if, and whether or not he'll be playing. But he's he's clearly done very, very well. He was incredible against Liverpool. So, yep, yeah, you've definitely got the, the players who can damage you. But as I say, above above all, I think your, your best weapon is your manager. I, I really, really rate Thomas Frank. Um, and ultimately, if we're looking for a, a score prediction... Well, this is a tricky one again because it's Eddie Howe's first match, but I'm going to have to be optimistic. I've got a good feeling that Howe is going to get the team playing well immediately and the fans are going to be right up for this one. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. So I'm afraid to say, my fellow football fans, that I feel Newcastle United will win this one 2-1. Thanks ever so much and hopefully uh, we'll speak later on in the season and I wish you all the very best. Brentford's a cracking club and I'm very much looking forward to to visiting the new stadium. So there you go, Norman from True Faith. Thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, (laughs) look, there's not a lot you can say there. I mean, look, obviously they're getting a bounce. You know, you've got 50,000 fans in the house. The Newcastle fans that I spoke to are so excited about Saturday because obviously, you know, you've got, you know, the owners left and you've got new manager come in. They hated Steve Bruce and they hated their owner. So now they've got a new manager come in and you know that place is going to be rocking. It's going to be bouncing. So we need to silence them on Saturday. So that's the one thing that actually fears me a little bit. You know, beforehand, they were going into games pretty sullen. They were like, their heads were down because they were just... They couldn't see any way forward, but now they got a bit of a bit of a buzz, a bit of a bounce. But I, I, there's one thing I'd say with Eddie Howe, with the football that he's trying to play, the type of football he's trying to play or he wants to play, that probably is going to have a bit of an advantage for us because it's you know I'm I'm hoping he won't be trying to put sort of seven up at the back and you know for us to try and break down their defence. I don't think that's his that's not his style of football at all, is it, Laney? No, it's not. It, it, you know. <laughs> He's a, he's a good man and, he's, and he plays good football when he's got a squad to do so and that's that's the point I was trying to make I'm not sure he's got the I'm not sure he's got all the ingredients that he needs to, to, to play the Eddie Howe way um, so that that it could be quite chaotic you know he could be asking players that really aren't aren't, aren't ball players I mean that don't get me wrong you know that they are very good footballers he's got there. But they're, they're, they're no Man City, they're no West Ham United, and I'm not even sure they're Brentford. We, we have got a style of play, we have got an identity, uh, we do create a lot of chances even when we're not at full strength. We will go there and have a proper go, and in Ivan Tony, we've got a player that really wants to make a point. I should imagine. Um, if you know, if if you if you think that he's lacked any intensity in 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 the in the you know the the last few weeks, then I have no doubt whatsoever that he runs out at St James's Park with not so much a massive point to prove, but he'll want to go and really make a point. So, um, I'm, I'm, and, I'm, so, and you say make so, so you make say make it a point because he used to play for them. Because yeah, he played he played for Newcastle. They 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 he, he got a he got a Premiership. You know, he, he made his Premiership debut with them. Um, I gave him an opportunity, but they obviously ultimately sold him. So um, you know he'll wanna he'll wanna go there and uh, rub their noses in it. I hope, and um, I, I think I think he'll do it. I, I, I think. 
maybe maybe Saturday's the, the day that Ivan Tony's season gets reignited because you know he's not scored the goals he would he would want. We know that there's a lot more to him than just goal scoring. Um, he, he, he contributes and he's, he puts in a shift every single game. You know, so it's it's not just goals that we judge him by, but the rest of the Premier League will they'll be saying, oh well, Ivan Tony he's not scored uh, for for weeks and weeks and weeks now, but. You know, I think Saturday's the day that it, he hopefully will uh, he will uh, be reignited. It's interesting because, I mean, you're talking about Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony, he is. The thing about it is, Ivan Tony is that, to me, he's he's a very good player. But it's when it's when you hear what other people talk about him, that's when I find it really interesting and. Again, I, I said to you, I went to Rimini to see England play. You know, I was out there on the Monday and I was hanging out with these Newcastle fans and, and they're almost like really apologetic because they're going, Ivan Tony, you know, look, you know we, we don't feel any bad about him. We feel really bad that we didn't give him the opportunity. We should have given him the opportunity. And they were like being really positive about him. And then this one Newcastle fan turned around to me and, it, and he said something, which is a conversation which we had a few weeks back, which said to me, he goes, do you think Ivan Tony should be playing for England? And I went, mm, well, I'll be honest with you, I'd rather he concentrated on scoring some goals for Brentford, first of all, and I don't want him to have any added pressure on them. And he goes, I do. And I said, really, do you? He goes, I said, he goes, in place of Tammy Abraham, I think that mm. Ivan Tony's a better player than Tammy Abraham. You know what I'm saying? And I said, well, I said, yeah, listen, I don't want to get into the old, you know, that. But, you know, I said, you know, it'd be quite interesting to see put um, Ivan Tony into a situation with, you know, your Foden's and, you know, your Sackers and these players. I said, I, I think that'd be really quite interesting. I said, especially if you put him into a situation against a team like San Marino, because I said, you know, we're going to score goals against San Marino. So it'll mm. be interesting to see what a player like him would do. Because if, you know, you're talking about players for the future, these are the type of games that maybe you sort of throw them in as opposed to, with all due respect, you know, Harry Kane, which is great that he scored like, you know, what's it, <laughs> 140 goals in two games, like, you know, but we kind of know what Harry Kane does and, uh, unless they were trying to get his pecker up because he's been a bit down as of late, you know, you sort of think, okay, what's the point of getting Harry Kane to score four goals or whatever it was against San Marino? You know, you know, maybe you should be getting your, your new players up and getting them into the system, which we're going to be needing within the next year or two. But anyway, that's the system. But it's interesting that somebody else turned around and mentioned the Ivan Tony thing playing international level, even though he hasn't actually scored that many goals um, at, at club level. I mean, what, what do you think, Laney? That Tammy Abraham's the Tammy Abraham's analogy is quite a good one because when when Tammy came on uh, San Marino, he put one over the bar, didn't he? It, it looked like it was not not easier to score than this, but you know it, 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 he should have just dinked it over the goalkeeper. He dinked it over the bar. Um, Ivan Tony would have scored that 100, but then Tammy Abraham scored a cracking goal. Um, and and you know he was he was unlucky to 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 get a foul against him that stopped Jude Bellingham get his first goal. I I I thought I thought Tammy Abraham had a had, had a quite an impact when he came on, but I, yeah, but who's to say Ivan Tony wouldn't have done exactly the same? So they're, they're, I have to say this, similar. This was said before the match, though. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So yeah, yeah. In hindsight, whatever. I, yeah, I, Ivan Tony would have scored goals in that game against San Marino, but you know, so so would uh, so would Murray Jones probably. <laughs> well, I think you're pushing it a little bit far <laughs> there. So so just looking at listen, look, look at Newcastle United. What are we up against here? Okay, so looking at Newcastle strengths, aerial duels. So in the air, Newcastle are strong. 
Um, but that's about it, according to, like I said, who scored. But their weaknesses are keeping possession, defending counterattacks, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, defending against long shots, defending against uh, skillful players and protecting the lead. They're very weak again. They play with width. They take a lot of shots. They attack down the left. They take long shots. So they play long balls. They attempt crosses often. Uh, they play the ball in their own half a lot and they're aggressive. So it's interesting to see how Eddie Howe might be sort of trying to change some of that within the, like, the week and a bit that he's going to be in charge of them. So, uh, I mean, looking at that, Laney, you've got to say, you know, even with our injuries, and I've got to come to you about the team in a bit, you know, there's something for us to play with there, isn't there? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I, you know, in the same way that I kind of was the foreseer of doom and gloom against Norwich, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very different. I'm a very buoyed. So it's a long old journey up to the northeast, and three thousand loyal Brentford fans are going to be making that journey too. A very expensive one. I don't think it was a, a very, a very. There was no cheap ways of getting there, and accommodation, you know, is expensive as well. I think we go there though, and it's going to be hopefully. <laughs> fingers crossed. I'm saying this now. I think it's going to be like a journey well worth, you know, well worth every penny we make um, or we spend. So oh, I, I, I see, oh. I see good, I, I see good things happening on Saturday. Oh, Very oh, good oh, things oh, happening. Right. We'll come on to that in a little bit. Team, <laughs> team wise, lady, lady, team wise, because obviously we've had a million injuries. Well, you know, and, yeah, and, and uh, we're, what are we saying on Saturday? Because we had two weeks break, so some players could be back in the frame. They could be. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not privy to like, fitness checks. I think we. Fought, I, I don't know. It, it, I mean, if I is fit, we don't. I, not, not, I don't think I is going to be there, is he? Nah. Well, no. you know, I, I I don't know who's who's fit. I don't know Force scores an international goal, goal. So there's 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 players that have come back from international duty on on, on slight highs. I, I I don't know. It, it literally it depends on the walking wounded, the injury list. I, I, but I, we, but I'm just saying. I mean, just looking at the team. But we, we, just look where we're at. I mean, at the end of the day, it looks like it's going to be good. It's going to be playing for us, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. unless we're going for it, we're not going to go for it at the back. But, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be Pontus and it's going to be Ethan Pinnock. So those are going to be our back three. Comfortable with that? We, we have to be. Yeah, uh, we, we have, we've got no choice. But, you know, what I will say is whatever team we put out, will go there to try and win. And that will scare Newcastle. We're not. We we are not going to Newcastle. To, yeah. To, to I'm just trying to pick the. Just trying to pick. You know. Just trying to put. You know. Later. What other players are going to, because just looking at because we've been away for a couple of weeks, so we need to sort of refocus ourselves as to who is and isn't available. Well, so I'm, we got I'm, that. I'm hope, I hope so, mate. I don't know if there's any been any injuries. Right. There's yeah. there's, n- there's no. I, but I, let's, I'm let's, pre- let's presume as that. So we, we're looking at Yenout. We, we would think that Yenout would be starting full fitness after having two weeks. Sort of, kind of, to, to get embed themselves back into to a fitness. That, with your thoughts, so Yenel's going to be I in the hope, team. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Yeah, I, I get yeah. It, but know. obviously, Aya's not going to be in the team. We know we, we know who will be. We don't know. We know we know who's not going to be as well, and we know who should be. I mean, I would say that Bumbumo's been injured, but he should be starting. I would have thought now. You would have thought that Bumo had a very good game against Norwich. I thought, and yeah, you hope that he he can then step it back up. He's had two 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 more weeks where he's he's kind of rest is the wrong word, but he's not had match intensity. He's been able to work on his general fitness, and and I think 
he's a massive plus point and he will cause a lot of problems yeah so the so the chances are that force won't be playing on saturday because even though he scored international duty Mbumo and and and, and ivan tony are going to be the is going to be the it's going to be our pair for this match i would have thought yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and Frank the Tank will probably be uh, probably back on the bench again if Yenolt's going to be going to be playing because Jensen and just coming back to because I know there's a lot of conversation about Jensen, but Jensen was sort of kind of like relatively good Jensen even though he lost against Norwich, wasn't he? I, I say relatively good Jensen. Re- you know. Relatively, you know, again, he he failed a COVID test, didn't he? When he when he arrived, oh, yeah, in that's true. Denmark, so he he he's going to be rested. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Nor, you know Norgard. I hope he returns uh, in full strength. Um, Godos is someone that we need to be looking to for for energy levels. Um, you know, he he featured for Iran. Uh, we we're gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna pick our dream team, are we? You know, but we, we're still gonna go there and we're we're still gonna we're gonna ask them a lot of questions. You know. Don't get me wrong, you know, it's going to be a wall of noise uh, at St Andrews. And, you know, we saw when, when just after the takeover, they scored they had their dream start against Tottenham. You know, they went one up in a couple of minutes, but then they still lost the game. And I thought to- Tottenham, sim- similar to us in, 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 the, in the way that they counter-attacked, um, we, we have to do the same. If we do go behind, we have to carry on believing and you have to silence that crowd. And you know, if, when they concede, they're going to fear the worst. We just have to just go there and just go at them. And I think, I think we will. Fingers crossed. Listen, statistical-wise, we've got our man Will, the spreadsheet winker, who's going to basically tell us if anything is possible up at St James's Park. Um, he's going to give us the statistical lowdown on Newcastle. So let's move on to the Newcastle game then. The Toon sits second bottom of the Justice League, having conceded 10.5 more XG than they've created so far this season. They've failed to create more than one XG in each of their last four games, losing two and drawing the other two of those. Of the games that they drew, they had a healthy slice of luck not to lose, creating 1.37 and 1.06 less XG than their opponents in these games respectively. They sit off attackers, allowing on average 16 passes in front of their defence before pressuring the attacker, so our forwards will have a lot of time in front of the goal to get their shots off. Generally, their issues seem to be at both ends of the pitch, really. They struggle to get shots on target, averaging only 3 per match to their opponents more than 5. And they're yet to record a clean sheet so far this season, where they've conceded the first goal 64% of the time. That's clearly going to be key in this match. If we can score first, we'll be well on top. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker, who basically is giving us a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but things might change with Eddie Howe. They're, they're not creating a lot. They're, they're kind of they're conceding a lot. And um, it, it, things haven't been going their way, but we know how things may change. We don't take anything for granted. We've seen that with the Norwiches. They've been in this league for enough years and they've got some decent players. So we're not taking it for granted, but 
we showed there with the stats and how they play and how they've been playing in the past and the, the lack of chance creation and stuff like that. We need to just get at them. So we will do. So look, listen, lady, we've been chatting enough about the Norwich. We've been chatting about the Newcastle. We haven't been chatting about the weekend. I mean, I'm going potty for it. I'm going up on a Friday, coming back on the Monday. I mean, I've got a full Monty, three days, full family. Everyone, full family's up there. Son, daughter, wife, everyone's going up to Newcastle three days. Can't wait. Going to the sea, going to the land, going this, going to the theatre, going, yeah, going to the Wyland Brewery. <laughs> One of my mates runs a Wyland Brewery. Used to run, used to run a jungle label, actually. I don't remember Sound of the Underground, you know, original Nutter. Bad, bad, mad, 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 Nutter. Do you remember him with Shy Effects? Did that track, original Nutter, um, UK Apache. So he used to run that label, Dave, and he, I think he runs a Wyland Brewery up there now, which is quite, quite, quite a change from running a jungle label in London as well. So yeah, there's all sorts going on. Meeting up with Newcastle chums, like I said, tuning the Roses. We're doing a bit of a pub crawl before on Saturday night and Friday night. Oh, God, I'm so looking forward to it. Like, you know, you looking forward to it, Laney? Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm driving up on Saturday morning with Dan Sue and uh, staying the night. We're going to hook up with everyone after the game, all of our mob. Um, going, I think we're going for a curry and uh, a few bars. It's my son's birthday. He's going up there for the weekend. Um, see him Saturday night, hopefully, for a couple of drinks. So, yeah, all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Newcastle is obviously a lively place, and we're going to be lively, aren't we? Lively, lively indeed. So give us a lively score prediction well are we gonna give a third team on the trot their first win of the season we've let burnley had their first win of the season we let norwich have their first game win of the season or are we gonna let newcastle have their first win of the season no win not brentford are gonna win 3-1 oh and i'm gonna go for a, a cheeky 2-1 win to the mighty mighty bees as well so listen it's been great being back finally it's been a bit of a tough one as we said i'm i'm hope, I'm hope that you 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 understand that we you know we had to get things and talk about friends of old and you know and things that have happened because that's just just as our life is at the moment now so um like i said to you bees family we all do stick together and like I said to you, you know, if you're there, I mean, I've got my glass here. Raise a glass to Beckles, Adrian Beckles, as he is, the Isleworth Massive, Cheers, the Hartham Road Posse, as we were there as well. I know that all the Hartham Roaders who have listened to this podcast, there's quite a few of you as well. Like, you know, you'll all be raising a glass to Beckles, who used to used to live right behind Marlborough School, as it was. We used to go outside his house, squeeze through the fence, and we used to go and play football. And that was the, the place where I was... Uh, I was plucked from Marlborough School and walked down to Griffin Park for my first game at Brentford, you know, and I think Adrian Beckles' dad was probably looking over the wall at me thinking, where, where are those boys they're going? Where are they going? I can't do his accent because I think he's um, I think he's from Barbados, actually. It's one of the smaller islands, so I can't do the accent as well as I was going to do the Jamaican accent. But yeah, I must have, he must have been very confused as I left the area to go down to Griffin Park. But, you know, it's all for good purposes. Anyway... My name is rest Billy Grant. Peace, like rest in you. peace. Yeah, rest in peace. This is Besotted Pride of Well. This is the Besotted Pride of Well West London podcast brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. And uh, like I said to you, they're good set of little chums of us who are going to be doing some fun things with them over the next few months as well. And don't forget, like I said to you, we also don't forget to subscribe to us as well on all good podcast channels. Don't forget to support us at besotted.com forward slash beer and also don't forget to listen again at prideofwest.london but my name is Billy Grant and I'm here with the Laney Man good evening 
you, you're a bit latent with your evening there as well. And like I said to you, we've done the podcast tonight. It's been really good as we get up to Newcastle. Saying we're looking forward to it. And you just say, "Come on, you bees!" Oh, Come God, you bees. latent laney, <laughs> latent laney, <laughs> latent road car park. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.